Deshaun Tate back here with you guys. Tate's Take, the podcast, hashtag where basketball lives. Episode number 34. Uh, appreciate everybody for checking us out, joining. Uh, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I can't say it enough. You guys know that's my favorite word. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Red Circle, the whole nine. Also, uh, streaming live on YouTube as well. Go ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, and I'm just thankful for you guys to be able to join me for another podcast. For those of you who won't have the opportunity to join me live, and you're going to be joining me on the back end a little bit later. I appreciate you for doing so. And even telling a friend, telling a family member, telling your mama, tell your grandma, my friends, enemies, the whole nine. I appreciate that. Now, you guys know that I have teased uh, for quite some time that I'm going to have a guest that I'm really looking forward to having. This one I've kind of been anticipating and looking forward to since we had a chance to chop it up over the course of uh, the last couple of years. And I hate that I miss my boy for all-star weekend when I was out in Chicago, my very first all-star weekend that I had an opportunity to cover. Um, but I'm happy that we do have him, uh, here on today and get the opportunity to kind of pick his brain a little bit as I bring him in right now, Scoop Jackson, sports and cultural journalist, author, senior writer for ESPN, contributor for ESPN's The Undefeated, the resume is a long list, bro. It's, it's it's a long grocery list, like a long laundry list. How you doing, Scoop? I'm good, man. Grinding, grinding. Hey, man, All-Star was on me. I just got, you know, <laughs> I, I told you. It was like I was caught up. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, that's on me. That's on no, me. It's all good. I'm going to have to make my way back out there to the Windy City in the summer, though. In the summer. Nah, uh, man. Got, <laughs> man, we black people. We got thick skin. Man. We can handle this wind. It's all good. Yeah, because especially me coming from Michigan, that's a whole nother level of cold that most people just don't understand. It's better than coming from L.A., though. You, you, you know something about <laughs> it, though. So, you know, you good. I know a little bit. I know right. a little bit. You've been to Detroit. Um, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's home. That's, that's home what I'm saying. So, you know, yeah, weather, yeah. Weather, it's the same weather, just a little bit more wind. That's all. Well, I ain't going to say a little bit more wind, a lot more wind. And that, uh-huh. that, that, that's what toughens you up. You know, once that wind gets through, you can handle that. You're like, I'm all good. And this was our last opportunity, Scoop, to be able to check it out just to give people a little bit of a view. Uh, this here was, I think, somewhere around two to three years ago. Shout out to my dude, Tall Boy, who brought yep. me along Tall for Boy the put ride. us together, yep. Yep, yep. yep. That, was, uh, that was actually during the filming of um, Uncle Drew in oh, Atlanta. That was, okay, okay, yeah. that was during, okay, okay, yep. I got yep. you. Yep, I, yep, I just shot my little scene in uh, Uncle Drew, and you came through the next morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. And I'm thankful, man. Overly grateful and appreciative for you to be able to come on and join us on today. Before we start getting into some of the basketball stuff and obviously the way that the NBA and some of the players are handling some of the social injustice stuff, I'm going to ask you about John Thompson as well. But I first want to start out with uh, kind of giving some people because I'm one of them. I'm kind of been that aspiring writer slash analyst reporter and so many other things. Uh, talk a little bit about your journey, maybe some of the challenges that you face, maybe some of uh, your best interviews and some of the things that you've done or what you haven't done that you're still looking forward to doing in the near future. That's a good question. Um, I'll I walk it backwards. Uh, what I haven't done that I'm looking forward to do, that's a good one because um, I really don't function like that. I just kind of roll with whatever is presented in front of me or whatever I can possibly create. So I'm not, I'm not really a goal seeker like that. You know, because, you know, I try not to set myself up for personal dip- disappointment and public disappointment at the same time. Um, but I do function through visionlessness. 
where I don't see any boundaries. I don't see anything that's in my way. I don't see anything that's in our way. I, I don't see anything we can't do or what we can't create. So I, that's why I just keep moving, keep moving. And I found out that over the course of this 25, 30 year career, or whatever, is that if you keep moving, things that you can't even think about present themselves to you. And it's just a matter if you're in position to handle those things as they come in front of you. Um, I speak to high school and college kids all the time. And I always explain to them that when I was at their stage, you know, whether you're in high school or college, whatever. So when I was at your stage, you don't understand the Internet wasn't around. <laughs> no, seriously, the Internet wasn't around. Nike wasn't Nike. ESPN didn't even exist. Wow. You know, so a lot of the things that I've been able to do in dealing with these weren't even around. So at that point, for me to sit up there and tell you, well, my goal is this and my goal is this and my goal is this means I was limiting my goals by what was in front of me right then and not opening myself up to what was available and being prepared to make those adjustments and enter into those doors. Sure. Once they opened up. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I've always functioned, because if the internet, if the internet wasn't around, I, I wouldn't be a senior writer for ESPN.com because I would have never envisioned that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I never would envision like writing books for Nike. Mm -hmm. That wasn't even that didn't happen back. Then. ESPN didn't exist. Slam sure. Sure. didn't exist. Slam. Mm -hmm. Everything that I've been able to do didn't exist back then. So that's why I kind of function through not thinking like in my mind what I want to do next. My job and what I've been able to do is just stay prepared for whatever is next that is outside of my purview and be ready for it if and when it comes my way. That's, you know, th that's kind of how I've been able to flow. But I kind of tried to give you two answers. I want to answer the last question first, but inside of that answer, I kind of gave a little bit, you know, as far as the background and this and the other dealing with Slam, you know, dealing with Nike, writing stuff for them and still uh, on contract writing projects for Nike. Um, the late, the latest one was the one with Venus and Serena that I just worked on with them about you can't stop sisters, which I thought was really kind of dope. Yep. Um, you know, and just, you know, I've been able to just create things along the way from a storytelling standpoint. Um, and, 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 you know, just take advantage of a situation of finding relevance, mm -hmm. you know, common did the album called finding forever. And I, I don't know if black folks, if we're in a position to fire forever, you know, we'll fire forever, but it may not be the best forever, not in this country, you know, but the one thing I do, we think we do have the power to find is find some type of relevance and create that relevance. And over the course of the last 30 years in the form of storytelling and writing, I've tried to find relevance. And I think I've so far so good. You mentioned storytelling and dude, uh, when I say like, the best to ever do this stuff. You know, you've kind of created a lane and that narrative for yourself of going into storytelling. And, and it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like, it's poetry. You know what I mean? It's like spoken word. Right. Where did that whole idea kind of like come from? Is that something that you've kind of always had, or is that just kind of came along the way as you kind of progress? No, what it, what it is, is just, it's me tapping into what I believe we do and what I believe we gravitate to. And we as black folks always, and we can't escape it because I think it's in our DNA, DNA we've always gravitated toward rhythm. We're mm -hmm. rhythmic people, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Our entire flow and existence is built on rhythm. So 
I just incorporated that into what I do as a career and as a living. Mm-hmm. I write rhythmically. Mm-hmm. You know, is it what, what I've done is basically no different than what we've done musically, mm-hmm. what we've done through art, what we've done through dance. You know, with all, all our creations that we've done have all been, have all had rhythm at the center of it. It has. It has. And mine just happens to be literary. That's it. So I try to find a rhythm when I write, but that but that rhythm is also me thinking what you all are going to get from this. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when I'm writing, it's not just me trying to do me. It's about me and how what I'm presenting is going to be received. And in that is where the rhythm extends itself. Yes, I try to write rhythm, rhythmically, but I, I'm always in my mind thinking of how the reader is going to rhythmically read this, how they're going to interpret this. And is there going to be a rhythm there? And to me, if there's a rhythm in the reception of what I do, there's a stronger chance that the person accepting it, the person reading it will not leave. See, you know as well as I do, when it comes to rhythm, once the rhythm stops, a lot of people stop. A lot of people stop. Right. My job throughout my entire writing career is to give you whatever I'm giving you at that time and never let you stop. Keep the rhythm going. Keep the rhythm going. Unless it's purposeful. Unless there's a necessary break where you got to stop, but you know the rhythm is coming back. You know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. beat is going to come back in. So that's really all it is. It's not something I've done differently. It's just me accepting who I am and who we are and trying to incorporate that in ways that, well, in a, in a genre that mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily been done before. We've done it in so many other phases sure. of, of storytelling and in art and in creation. It's just a lot of us haven't done it in a literary, in a written standpoint. And I've just tried to incorporate that into what I've done. And the beat goes on. That's It just kind of reminds me of that, you know, that, right. that, that song. I think it's The Whispers, I think it is. Um, you know, it, I, you preaching, brother. You doing the real deal. I got everything but my tambourine and my towel to throw at you and say, preach on, preacher, preach on, preacher. Uh, speaking of, you mentioned slam. And I just mentioned something about a towel. Ironically enough, are those two things going together? The brother that kind of kept the towel over his shoulder being John Thompson, the late got John my, Thompson. Got mine right here, so we good. Oh, yeah, you got yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you, you, you yeah. was already there. You already prepared. It, my towel has not left his side. It's, since he's passed away last Sunday, it's been on my office chair and it's going to be there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be. It's either, either I'm wearing something to celebrate Chad or yep. I'm going to wear something that's going to, you know, always have something around me. And Chad has already had a picture in my office. I've already had him up since, wow. since Black Panther. So, wow. um, I always have a framed picture from him on the cover of Time Magazine talking about a Hero Rises when he made the cover. I framed that at the time it came out, so it's always been up there. So he's always been represented in my space. But when uh, Big Ace passed away, you know, I was like, all right, so I got my towel, got my, you know, Hoyas stuff, you know, always honor. But the one thing I said I'm going to do is I'm going to always keep a towel on my office chair. So mm. it's always, so yeah, I, I, it was, this isn't just for an interview. This has been here since Sunday. I got you. Here. It's I got it. you. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not doubting. I ain't questioning it. Um, when I believe you was talking about magazines, talking about Slam magazine, you've done so much for you know with Slam, and I think it was, uh, I think it was issue number nine, uh, where you Iverson? had Alan, yeah, the Allen Iverson one. Just yeah. kind of talk about that. I know you had some conversation during that time with with Big John 
Um, I would I, I would call it a conversation. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. What would you What would you call it? How did that go? Now here, here's the story, which is really kind of funny. Um, okay. I'll try to make it as short as possible. No worries. Take your time. Um, you know, the whole deal with Allen Iverson was we had caught wind of what he was doing during the summer tournament in D.C. I think it was the Kenner League, and he was killing cats. It was in between his freshman and sophomore year at Georgetown. And people forget Allen Iverson was the defensive player of the year in the Big East after his freshman year at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the Allen Iverson that we know. No, you know, correct. it wasn't like dropping third. That, that wasn't his thing. That wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Right, that wasn't him. And, you know, John Thompson always being defensive-oriented at Georgetown, being defensive-oriented, the Big East being a defensive-centric conference, that's what he excelled at. So mm-hmm. when we heard he's averaging 50 a game against the pros up in the Kinder League, we're like, whoa. So I happen to be in New York during the U.S. Open, which is funny because U.S. Open is on now. Mm-hmm. During the U.S. Open... And took a trip, you know, down to D.C. to watch, you know, a summer league game to see A.I. Mm-hmm. And I watched A.I. in the A.I. that we wound up seeing later on in the pros. And after seeing him, he dropped like 62 and came back from a 20-point deficit in the second half. He just put on an Allen Iverson show. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this isn't the cat that's playing at Georgetown. He's something else. So I called the publisher, like, look, that's when the argument like, I got, we got to put him on the cover. We got to do a story on Allen Iverson. And we went back and forth about that. So he said, fine, we'll do a story on Allen Iverson. So keep in mind how we roll as black folks. I went to Howard University. Yeah. So I know what Georgetown is all about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get a response from the Georgetown Sports and Information Director. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, hell, you know, I knew John Thompson's rule, but I didn't think about it at the time. I'm just like trying to connect with AI. So knowing how Georgetown is, and there's only like literally like if you ain't if you're not on the basketball team, there are no other black people going to Georgetown. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So what I did was I just walked on campus. The first black person I saw, like, hey, where's Allen Iverson stay? They're like, oh, he right over here. <laughs> they pointed me right to his dorm room. Straight like that. Yeah, but that's the way it is. You know, when when you're when you're such a minority mm-hmm. in a space, every black person knows exactly where and who you are. Mm-hmm. So I went straight to his room, knocked on his door, like, yo, man, introduce myself. Othello Harrington was his roommate. He was back there ironing. Yo, I'm Scoop for Slam Magazine. Yo, we trying to do this. Oh, what's up, bro? What's going on? You know, we get down. Yep. No problem. Let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, cool. Let's do it tomorrow. Seven. He's like, 730. Meet me back here. I'm like, cool. No problem. Right? Super dope. I get there to the dorm. As I, you know, talk to the lady front day, she said, oh, okay, there's a phone call for you here. And that's when she was like, okay, well, you can wait here and he'll come down or whatever. All right, cool. And she's like, oh, the phone's for you. And she said, you can pick it up over there. And I go and pick up the phone and it's- It's Big John. Big John. <laughs> with, the, with, with, that, with that big ass voice, right? Yeah, yeah. And he just goes in on me. Like, who the hell do you think you are? You know, well, you know, what, what are you all running a guerrilla organization? You know, he just really goes in on me. And I'm sitting there at first. I'm like- Oh shit, that's John Thompson. I'm like, and that voice and who he is. Yeah. And I just kind of regressed, you know, back to childhood. And then I went, then literally about two minutes into that, him like doing his thing, I really just checked myself. I'm like, wait mm-hmm. up. One, this ain't your daddy. Right. You know, and two, I'm a grown ass man. Grown man. man. Yeah. Yeah. So I snapped back on him. The minute he took a breath, I snapped back on him. Kind of like old boy uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda did when he was playing Hamilton. Okay. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah, mine, you, yeah. 
So I snapped back at him. <laughs> Basically, like, man, you, you got no right to talk to me like that. You know, who the hell do you think you are? And I don't give a blank who you are. Yeah. You know, so I went with the grown man thing back in here, right? Okay. And that's that shot coming out, too. So, yeah, of course, Midwest. After I came back at him, he laughed. He's like, Young brother, I can see you very conscientious. You don't take any shit from anybody. I'm like, No, nah, I don't. He said, I like that. All right, here's what we're going to do let me do some background searching on you and your publication. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I'll get back with you and see if we can have this interview happen. But understand me. <laughs> This is my program, and anything that goes on has to come through me. Mm-hmm. So next time, if you don't get a response from my people, understand you got to come through me come first. Come through me, yeah. Right. And my thing was that, you know what? I respect that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I respect you. And that's how we ended that conversation. And wow. then a couple weeks later, got an email from the SID mm-hmm. setting up the interview with Iverson. Wow. And we... John Thompson and I became good friends after that. Like, he used to have me on his radio show all the time. Mm-hmm. Every time I see me, him, you know, he gave me the big, you know, you know, I give him a hug. But I think it was the fact that he never had too many people, like, stand up to him, even though it was through a phone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if I had been standing up to him face to face, I'd have been in his belt buckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. Look, right? you know, no like, doubt. You would have no been a good look. Right? I like, met John. Yeah, trust yeah, me. Right? I you know. You know the deal, right? But I just, I like, you know, I had to, like, check myself. But I think he respected that. And he understood that I was, I think through the way I responded, he understood that I was a, a young brother too. Mm-hmm. Not Alan Iverson young, but just a young brother younger than him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he in his mind was like, this seems like the type of dude that I would have pulled into Georgetown. This seemed like the type of dude that I would have, you know, mentored. This seemed like my type of dude. This seemed like a dude that came for me. So I'm gonna respect that, you know, and that's how that whole John Thompson thing went. But what it turned into after that was all love, straight love. Like he talked to me personally about his divorce. You know, we talked about uh, his son taking over George, you know, his concerns about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about my end and like, you know, raising my kids. Like, wow. you know, we've had like. You got personal. Had, yeah. 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 We had just like general conversations as, you know, not like father, son, sure. uncle, nephew type thing, just as, you know, him just being an older gentleman and him respecting who I was and what I was able to do, but giving him respect at the same time, even though we weren't necessarily colleagues. It was just, uh, it, it was a friendship. It was really, really became a decent friendship just based out of respect. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, but that was my favorite interaction with him was that initial one because it was just like, you know, and I've heard many people talk about how John comes at them like that, and mm-hmm. they've always backed down. And it's it's funny because initially <laughs> that is it. Yeah, that's the initial thing you get. But then, depending on who you are and where you are in your life, you're like, well, hold on, man, wait, 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 wait. What you're saying now, I agree with, but now to me, it's getting disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm not gonna take that from anybody. That's right. You know, I don't give I don't give a damn who you are. You know what I'm saying? And I just never was that person, so. Man, I respect it, dude. And just we we I brought a couple of different people on, and we've heard some John Thompson stories. None quite to that extent, but yet still, but yet right. still, uh, all of them just very good stories. I'm glad that you you know shared that with us oh, no uh, in the locker room right now. Scoop Jackson, sports and cultural journalist, author, preacher. I guess I'll throw that one up in there now. Senior You're writer funny. for ESPN, contributor for ESPN's The Undefeated. Find them on social media. 
platforms, specifically on Twitter at IB Scoop Jackson at IB Scoop Jackson. I want to dive a little bit. I don't want to keep you too long, but I'm good. I'm uh, good. I, good. I, I do want to dive in a little bit to some of these playoffs. We can go back to some of this other stuff, but yeah. um, you know, I, I'm curious to know who you're taking in this thing because being in the bubble, this whole thing transpiring and and it's just been really weird and wacky. I call it September Madness because you know I'm big college basketball, right, Michigan right, State, right. and everything else. Right. Um, I, I didn't get my chance to have my March Madness. This has had some of that feel. So many of these games coming down to game sevens. So yep. many of these games coming down to, you know, uh, buzzer beaters and one possession games, two-point wins and so forth. Uh, you know, when we just when we thought that arguably and still is maybe – Boston being the strongest team, not just necessarily in the East, but in the playoffs. Miami is unbeaten in the playoffs. Uh, then you got these two L.A. teams. What says you about everything that we've had the opportunity to see within the bubble when it comes to the playoffs in regards to who's been lo- looking the strongest and who do you have taking this whole thing? Uh, it starts, I feel the exact same way you do in that this is really over the course of the last you know month or six, however long it's been. Mm-hmm. It's really taking on a feel of, you know, a long version of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's not a one and done situation, just the sure. nonstop all day presentation of it. Like <laughs> yeah. you're waking up at 11 in the morning. Game you going, are. You know, it's, <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's, it's like the first couple of weeks. So that that was unique and that gave a certain feel. But for me, it hasn't changed the way I necessarily felt before the bubble started is that my prediction was it was going to be the L.A. Clippers and the Boston Celtics in the finals. Mm-hmm. And that the Clippers were going to take it. And the only reason the Clippers were going to take it uh, was because of experience in that setting. You know, with Kawhi being there, uh, with, you know, the age that uh, uh, Patrick Beverly has, the age that Lou Williams has. You know, you have seasoned cast there. And in, in, in the degree of what you have to deal with as a core situation, Paul George been around for a long time. Kawhi been through it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. What you call has been through it. As I said, uh, 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 Lou and Patrick Bear, that core, that moment of being in the finals is not going to overtake them the way it will Boston because Boston's so young as far as their mm-hmm. core is concerned. So I think that's going to be the tipping point in this. Um, and it hasn't changed. Just the way it's gotten there has kind of shifted a little bit. You know, but to me, at the end of the day, it stayed, it, it's basically it stayed on course. Um, I, I can't say that I saw Miami being there, but Having to go through Indiana, you know, at least in the first round, um, I would have predicted that before the, you know, bubble anyway as well. Um, to do that without Kendrick Nunn is still mm-hmm. surprising me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I still don't even know what this particular situation is and whether he's back, not back. I, I, I haven't gotten to the depth of what's happening there yet. Um, but I don't know if they have the power to get by a Boston, especially if by this time Gordon Haywood's back. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to look at Miami and thinking they could be the upsetter. Um, in the West, it, to me, it still just boils down to L.A. and L.A. Mm-hmm. And I still stand by what I said before, you know, the shutdown. Well, shutdown number one. Shutdown number two was a couple of days that the players protested. But shutdown sure. number one, right, um, is that – in a seven-game series, I don't think the Lakers have an answer for Lou Will. I really don't. And mm-hmm. he literally offensively has the power, especially at this stage. And him being, what, 34, 35 years old? In that range. Mm-hmm. Right. Still being able to get buckets. He's never in this 
questionable Hall of Fame career that he's having mm-hmm. has never had to play for anything. This is his first time really playing for something. Sure. So, and he knows that 34, 35, these might not come too often. Sure. So I'm pretty sure Lou Will is going to come to this stage with a different mindset than a whole lot of other people, even other people on his team, maybe even everybody on his team. I can't think of anybody on the Lakers who is looking at this the way he's going to look at it. Mm -hmm. So you talk about a cat that has the power to seize this moment because it may be, you know, the last time this type of window is going to be open for him and knowing what he has the capability of doing. I'm thinking that once Trevor, Trevor Reese is like, I'm out. Uh, who don't, Yeah. Who is going to be the Lou Will stopper? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Lou has to go off in every game. In a series this tight between the Clippers and the Lakers, with their teams being as evenly matched up as they possibly are, mm-hmm. we're only talking about one or two quarters in one or two games that could be the tipping point of the whole series. Yep. And you know as well as I do, it takes nothing for Lou Will to have an 18-point quarter. Oh, at all. <laughs> right. So with him playing with purpose, real purpose, mm-hmm. for the first time in his NBA career, and L.A. not having anybody mm-hmm. singular to stop him, to me, that's the difference. Speaking that's the difference of, in the series. Speaking of Lou Will, you got to let me know next time you're in the ATL, man, so we can go check out some of them Lou Will lemon pepper wings. I don't want to get look, you in no trouble, but you nah, got to let man, me know when you I've make been, a stop. I've been imagine, I've been imagine, look. I've been to Magic City enough that I'm mad I ain't got my own wings up in that piece. (laughs) And yo, off the air, I got the greatest. You thought the John Thompson story was great? Oh, my God. I got a a Magic City story for you that's even better. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I I can't wait. I got a Magic City story for you that's even better. I'm I'm almost ready to wrap this bad boy up so I can hurry up and get to that story. Oh, man. Um, Going with it next. We were talking a little bit about Lou Will. He's up for the... Uh, most, uh, I'm sorry, six man of the year award again, ironically enough. And actually, I think he could break the tie between he and Jamal Crawford of winning it three times a piece, the most in NBA history. But he's up for that award again, along with one of his teammates, hey, Montrez Harrell. Go right, ahead. Can I shut you down real quick? Sure. That's where I think the Lakers went wrong. Why? And not picking up Jamal Crawford. You mentioned Jamal Crawford because to me, if you can't get somebody defensively to stop mm-hmm. Lou Will, at least he put somebody on your squad that can match him bucket for bucket. And for Jay Crawford to be out there. Yep. And the Lakers not grab him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why I'm like, damn. That yeah. was your opportunity. That was your opportunity. That that, was. That's it. That's it. it right. was. You, you mentioned him, and that was the one thing that's always in my mind. I was like, why <laughs> didn't they just grab him? And that would have evened up the matchup. And then you're like, it's a toss-up. So go ahead. I'm sorry, I mean to cut y'all. No, it's all good. I guess I'm doing my job now. Um, you know, and even with saying, and even with saying that, you know, I know Rondo's coming back, and I know he's not 100. He's a liability on offense as much as he would be pretty good on from a defensive yeah. standpoint on the perimeter. Um, and just even talking about you know Jamal Crawford and and all of that. Instead, you're going and Deion, get, Wade, Deion Wade. is good. You, they know yeah. Deion can put up, but but, but you Deion can't ain't that right. That's what I'm saying. And, and Rayshon can't hold up with Jake. You know, I mean, over uh, to uh, Lou. On a regular basis, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, in my mind, and no, there's no dis. Once we say no disrespect, that means you're about to say something disrespectful, but you still have to claim it, and okay. you're not trying to be disrespectful. Sure. But you know, Alice Caruso, 
Rondo. That ain't it. Deion Waiters. You know, I'm talking about what Lou Will is going to see in front of him mm -hmm. while he's on the court. Mm -hmm. None of these guys pose a like threat that. to him when he's in that mode. They ain't like that. Right. And what I'm saying is that Jay Crawford may not be that threat when he sees him guarding him, mm -hmm. but Lou knows he got, all right, this is, this is, I'm looking in the mirror now. So <laughs> what I just did, he's about to do. That's, you know, that's all. You got to counter. If you can't stop him defensively, you have to counter him offensively in a series like this. And the Lakers had a chance to do it. And I think that's where they missed that opportunity. And they don't have the piece to to even come remotely close, there, let alone. There's only uh, a few players in existence right now that could have done that, and they had a chance to get one. I think yeah. Deion Waiters is close, but not enough in this particular situation. Because yeah. Jamal Crawford would have been playing for the same thing Lou Will is. They're both the same age. Both have never been in a position to really play for anything. Mm -hmm. So that same internal drive that they would have had, that no other player on the court would have had, Mm -hmm. would have gone up and up because they're playing for the same thing. They're both playing with the same sense of purpose. Sure. Deion Waiters nor JR passed the bottle Smith. But when we was talking about, um, you know, when we're sitting there talking about guys like Montrez Harrell, who's up for the award, uh, Sweet Lou, who's up for the award, and a guy who I'm hearing is going to arguably right now be the front runner being Dennis Schroeder. Uh, to take on that what we have seen so far within these awards so far as a uh, defensive player of the year with Giannis yeah. as well as um, coach of the year Nick Nurse uh, yeah. and Brandon Ingram getting the most improved player award where do things stand in regards to the MVP like who do you consider the MVP for this year and just your overall thoughts on, you know, there's been this spat going back and forth between Jay Will, LeBron, and Richard Jefferson, and uh, it's it, Yana, it's just it's just been so much. Right. Do you agree that he's kind of like that Pippen, though, to an extent? I can't be totally mad at Richard Jefferson for saying what he said because it has that kind of feel or vibe and energy to it. See, uh, one, I think that what Richard said was shade. Uh, okay. And I think Richard knew it was shade. He, he didn't – the way Scottie Pippen has been used in the past <laughs> yeah, has been, is right. He's tired right, of it. Right, but, but it's, 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 it's not said in the most positive manner. That's true. So, you know, when, when you're saying that, especially when you're putting it in comparison to what he was to Jordan as opposed to what he has been as a standalone ball player, mm. to me it's shade. And I get where, you know, Pippen – as petty as it may be and as thin-skinned as it may be to respond, I get where that's coming from because to me, to be honest with you, there's nothing Richard Jefferson could do to tell me that you said that in a good place and you missed sure. something good by it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, to me, the whole situation dealing with all of it is Jay, Will, and Richard Jefferson started off throwing shade for no reason. It was, it was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's unnecessary. You know, and Scottie Pippen and LeBron both have thin skin in this particular situation because they didn't need to clap back the way that they did because, you know, it's, it's, it's not that serious. So I get both sides. I don't want to get caught up in this because I think all of it is unnecessary. Sure. You know, but to start the whole thing off, one, you can't expect somebody to accept what you're saying initially, saying Richard Jefferson as just saying something positive about me. That's true. You know what I'm saying? I can that's, see that. You know, that's, 
you know, and, and Richard needs to own up to that. Like you would not use Scotty's name as something positive. In a positive light. You were basically saying, step back. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're basically in a in a passive aggressive way saying you're not this. You know what I'm saying? You're not big up in Scotty Pippen when you say that. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to get at. You I know, get so it. it's a very passive aggressive way of kind of making a you know backhand slap compliment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ain't gonna stand for that. Did it, you know, did it have to be that kind of clap back? No, but you know, I'm not the one that's being said that. So everybody comes back the way they're supposed to. You know, um, but let's do I feel that way about Giannis? No. Well, I'll put it this way. To me, if I'm Giannis, um, I'm taking that as a compliment because of what Scottie Pippen is. But I'm accomplished. I, I, mm-hmm. Right. Because even though Scottie didn't win two MVPs and didn't win defensive player of the year um, in the course of his career, you know, one it's, it's not about the, the, the label that has been placed on Scotty as being the greatest second banana ever. It's the fact that to a lot of people, including myself, Scotty's maybe the second or third greatest defensive ball player we've ever seen. No doubt. Um, and he's the greatest complimentary player, not mm-hmm. second player, complimentary player in the history of the game because of what he and Jordan together were able to do and what they were not able to do once they removed themselves from one another. And you can look at a lot of duos, a lot of them, and mm-hmm. you can say that none of them equal what Mike and Scotty did. And that's oh, not sure. him being a secondary player. That's him being a complimentary player. Complimentary. Right. That, and that's two totally different things. Different things, yeah. And we can look at, you know, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Oscar Robinson. We can look at Jabbar and Magic. Mm-hmm. We can look at Shaq and Kobe. And Kobe. We can mm-hmm. look at Shaq and Penny. We can look at Shaq and Dwayne Wade. We can look at LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. Yep. We can look at... You know, we can look at threesomes. We can look at all this stuff. And none of them compare to what Mike and Scotty did. You know what I'm saying? So I if do. I'm Giannis, yeah, I got MVPs. I got defensive player, of the year, defensive player of the year award, but I don't even have one ring yet. I haven't even gotten through a conference finals yet. You know, so if you're going to compare me to a dude who is, you know what I'm saying, the the, the Second or third greatest defensive player overall sure. in the history of the game is it's still the ultimate compliment and the ultimate complimentary player. Yep. And one of the 50, if not 25, depending on who you ask, greatest players of all time. I'm taking it. But once again, it was not said that way. You know what I'm saying? So I do. Yeah. So so for the for Pippen to clap back, <laughs> I get it. You know, I, I get it. But he shouldn't have because his thing got to be st- thicker than that. You know, he should have taken the, the Michelle Obama route and really thrown shade back and basically said, thank you. Yeah. You know, for acknowledging the fact, you know, that I am this, that, and the other, you know. But all the, all, to me, man, all this passive aggressive, yeah. this, that, and the other going on is I can't, you know, we got to be bigger than this, man. And, it, and it's, a, it's all unnecessary conversation to begin with, which makes it, to me, unnecessary conversation for us to pay that much attention to. You know, I'm- that's just me. But... I think you asked in the beginning about mm-hmm. Giannis being that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think that Giannis's situation is not his problem. I think Giannis's situation is Chris Middleton's problem. Hmm. In that, um, 
you can't afford for Chris Middleton to disappear. And as sure. great as Giannis is, mm -hmm. Giannis is not going to be necessarily a complimentary player, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to anyone that is not up to his level. Standard, yeah. Right. No, no, not, not his standards. I'm talking about his level. His level, that, his, ta his talent. In that, I say that to say, as great as Michael Jordan was, Michael would be the first to tell you that Scottie Pippen, when they were playing together, there wasn't a big drop-off. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It was like everything that I, I couldn't do, Scotty could do. That's why they complimented each other. Defensively, mm -hmm. Michael knew where he was. Yep. You know, doing things, bringing the, running the point, doing all the things that Michael couldn't do. <laughs> you know, Scotty complimented him on it and did just as good. The, the fact that they never played a one-on-one. -on -one, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, and if you ask both of them, they'd be like, Michael would be like, he might have beat me. He might have been the only player to beat me because of what he does defensively. Michael you know? say that? Oh, Michael probably said, yeah. <laughs> if you ask him how many, maybe in one game, you know, if you ask yeah. him if you play 100 times, Michael, I'm still going to win 90, but still. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, but still, yeah. But Michael, that, 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 sound, that sounds like Mike. But no, Michael say, if I play everybody 100 times, I win 99 times. Yeah. I might win 90 against Scotty. You Sounds know, that, like in Michael's way, that's a compliment to show you how dope Scotty is. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. don't want everybody to think that there's a great fall off between Michael and Scotty at that time they were playing. And sure. what I'm saying about Chris Middleton is that, and Giannis needing that complimentary player, is that there can't be that much of a drop off between him and the next guy who he's Chris playing. Chris Middleton, right. And when Chris Middleton decides not to show up in big games, that drop off becomes huge. And when he doesn't rise above, Mm -hmm. what Giannis is doing when Giannis has a quote-unquote non-Giannis game, mm -hmm. that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that made Scotty so great is that when Michael wasn't having those Michael Jordan games, Scotty kind of filled in that gap. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. He's like, hey, it wasn't like Scotty had to score 30. But, Mike, you only scoring 27 tonight? All right, I'm going to give you 25. Mm -hmm. Mike, you only scoring 21 tonight? Okay, I'm going to make sure my man who I'm guarding if it's James Worthy or mm -hmm. Magic Johnson, who's averaging 23 or mm -hmm. averaging, you know, 21 and this, that, and the other, I'm shutting their numbers down to make up Try for Try to meet you up. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Scotty always mm -hmm. did that to cover that up. And that's what I'm saying about Giannis. It's not his – Giannis is going to do Giannis, right? And, and that's play at this level, right? But you can't do that all the time when you're that number one target. It's the other guy, your complimentary player – they mm -hmm. can't have days off in that role. And when, in Giannis's case, it's Chris Middleton. You can't be that much of a distance between mm -hmm. what Giannis does and what you do on an everyday basis in a seven-game series and expect to win rings. You can't do that. Let alone, like, let, let alone disappearing sometimes. And, different, and not, not really thank the you. most physical team in the NBA either. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. you. Chris Middleton has to find a way to rise up to be as close to Giannis's level as he possibly can, especially on days when Giannis is not being Giannis. You know, when they're, when, when they're, when they're keying on Giannis to try to stop him from being Giannis, that's when you have to, you know, that's when you, Chris Middleton, have to be Scottie Pippen. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying this in the most complimentary way that's possible. Like, you got to rise what you do up to a Scottie Pippen level. Mm -hmm. You have to do that. You have to do that. And if that's not being done, then, you know, Giannis isn't going to win any rings. And if Chris Middleton is not that player, then Milwaukee needs to find him that player that is going to be that.
That's right. That's you know, right. Like, I just said Kawhi's going through the same thing or may go through the same thing with Paul George. They're going to have to so. learn that out. You know, Paul George, I mean, Kawhi has shown himself to be so efficient that it's so difficult to stop him from reaching his level that Paul George maybe can have bad games like he started off having and still not affect the outcome of Clippers games. Mm-hmm. But in a series against the Lakers, if it's as tight as it's supposed to be, Paul George can't afford. You know what I'm saying? Paul George, dude, you can't, you can't afford to have bad games in big it. moments. No, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You yeah, cannot luckily, do that. And luckily, something that's going to help cover that up in the event that that happens is having offensive firepower like Sweet Lou uh, that's going to be able to help contribute uh, to what they're trying to put together. My dude Scoop Jackson in here with me with the flashy and the glamorous uh, a pair of eyeballs that he got on. They, 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 they not Detroit style yays. They ain't Cartier. They ain't yays, but, but, but they sweet though. I give them respect. They sweet. Good boys are sweet. A little Satan around for y'all people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> man, uh, I know, I, like I said, I, I didn't want to hold you that long. I know you got things to do. You're a busy man. I did want to ask you about the stance that the NBA is taking with the social injustice and black lives matter movement and so forth. Um, just the way that they're doing it, you know, is that is that a way that can that are, are they exercising the most of what they have um, to be able to put in place to kind of help assist some of the things that are going on in, in today's society? Or should they be doing more? Or should they be doing something different? Do you have any ideas of ways that they can kind of take this on? Because this is just it's it's really something that obviously as a society, what we're living in, plus the pandemic in 2020, is just really getting way out of hand. But uh, I'm hoping that we are not in position to where we will come remotely close to seeing a shutdown because I've always again, because of, I've always kind of been under the impression of what we just witnessed uh, last weekend, not this past weekend, but the weekend before was them saying, well, we're not going to play basketball. And I'm not trying to say that this isn't a great idea by the players because I respect everyone's idea, but I'm not really sure that there's people out there that are saying, oh, well, if we keep this up and us as law enforcement, uh, a Caucasian or whatever occasion, uh, you know, continue to keep doing this, they're going to stop playing basketball. So we probably need to put it to a stop. I'm not sure that they care enough about whether the NBA continues or not. What says you? No, I agree with you on that. But the one thing, because I don't think they are paying attention to cats that are in law enforcement, the cats that we want, the people we want to put the light on, and politicians can be included in this, you know, and also in this particular case, since we're talking about, you know, qualified immunity, you know, mm-hmm. talk about judges, mm-hmm. you know, and, and handing out sentences to officers when they do commit crimes so that they all play it. I don't think they're looking at the NBA as, you know, okay, what they're doing is going to affect how I function. I think mm-hmm. you're exactly right. That th- Those two probably will not correlate. My thing is this, anytime we're doing something besides sitting on our ass, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. So I don't give a damn what they did. As long as it's moving forward and not just laying there stagnant and being apathetic Mm -hmm. for us as black folks in this country, Mm -hmm. then I'm all for it. Damn what other people think. Damn what those others think. Damn for anybody who says, well, what's your end game? Ain't no end game. Yep. When you're in, when when, you, when you're trying to survive, yep. the only end game is to survive. <laughs> survive, yeah. So whatever right. whatever is counter to not surviving, that's what we're going to do. So in this particular situation, where they looked at, hey, you know what? We've been doing this. We've been doing this. We've been doing this, and we're still seeing the same results. We may not know what to do, but doing the same thing 
is not it's not working. So let's do something else and let's see if this works. You know what I'm saying? So I am not mad for anything that they did. And I'm glad the fact that they didn't take consideration how others were going to feel about it when they did what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, their mindset is one we all should have in this country at this particular time inside of this particular movement is that doing nothing is not the answer. Doing the same things that are not working is not the answer. It's not the answer. So there's at no point you're going to hear me or should, in my mind, hear anybody find fault with what the NBA players did and their approach to, you know, doing whatever they thought was in the right, you know, was in the on the side of right at that time. That's it. And, and, and to me, they did more than they did more than anybody else did. I can't sit on the sideline. I didn't see all of us black folks in media doing any of this. Mm -hmm. I didn't see all these quote unquote black business people, small or large, going out doing this. I didn't, you know, I I didn't see name name me another group <laughs> as far as the workforce is concerned. Doing this. Doing this. No. So how are we gonna sit on the sidelines and be like, oh well, they shouldn't have, you know. They could have done this. No, not when you're not doing shit. Passing no. the buck. Thank you. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I got all respect for them and especially the, the players in the w, or the WNBA as a whole business model about everything they're doing. And once again, there's no blueprint for this. It's like, it's like raising a kid, man. You know, you can read all the Dr. Spock books and get all the advice from psychologists and doctors and, you know, all they said. They'll tell but you, until you become a parent. There's no there's no <laughs> one way to do this. You just continue to do it and you adjust because every kid is different. You know what I'm saying? You have to raise your kid to the personality that's going to be the best and of the best interest of that child. You adapt. Every mm -hmm. day as a parent is an audible. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you mm -hmm. try to lay out a blueprint of how you're going to raise that kid, you're going to have a messed up kid. That's <laughs> bottom line. That's guaranteed. So it's the exact same thing. We're living this thing day by day and trying to move forward day by day. And it's That's not going to look the same day by day. So when it comes time to call an audible, call an audible. But I give them much more credit for at least not making this thing all about their emotional standpoint at that particular time. It wasn't just an emotional move. They sat, thought, talked, made the decision, then went back and went deeper into research to find mm -hmm. what they could do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's I, what I believe. Like They didn't take the time just to take off. They took time to try, what, what can we do to make this have more purpose? Yep. It wasn't about moving forward. It wasn't about looking for answers. It was mm -hmm. like, what can we do right now mm -hmm. to make this have more purpose? And collectively, as a league, as black individuals, as black men and women, they all did that. And that is to be commended, especially from someone like me who doesn't believe the responsibility of leadership of black individuals need to be put at the hands and feet of our athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to do that because we look at athletes and entertainers because of the way and they've been revered life. and mm -hmm. positioned and put on pedestals as far as our existence in this country and mm -hmm. the roles that they play for our forward movement in this country. But we put a lot of responsibility on them to be our leaders. And they don't have to be our sole leaders. They can be right. part of the movement, but we all need to be in this together. But we put an unnecessary burden on them to do things. Sure. And for them to at least match some of it, 
Mm-hmm. I think that removes us from having any comment or conversation about anything they or we may feel they're doing wrong. Because yeah, anything and- they're doing is not counterproductive to our moving forward. Exactly. And just people just seeing them in that light where it puts them in a higher regard. I don't know. I just kind of see it like we all pissing in the same toilet water as far as I'm concerned to an extent. But I, I know that we are, like I said, I, getting kind of up against it. I'm, I'm so glad, dude, that you had the opportunity to join us and to no um, glad, be glad able to give the connect. listeners. Glad, glad we're able to make it happen. That's what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, no, me too. You know, and, and give the, the, the people who are watching um you know that opportunity as well and just gracing us with your presence man i'm overly thankful and grateful for that opportunity and the questions just constantly keep on rolling in we're going to do this again at some point because i've always been a person and i'm hoping that you don't take this in any kind of line of disrespect whatsoever because i consider both of you very very phenomenal talents you know but um you know i've kind of always seen scoop jackson in that same um conversation or in that same light of something like a a, 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 a sports journalist of a Spike Lee type, you know. I don't you know, know if you I, ever heard I, that. Have you I, heard I, it before? I, I knew I knew you were gonna say that. I knew I you knew did. you were gonna say that. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a huge one. It's a huge compliment because it's a compliment it's, because I've always used Spike as the person that has been my moral compass in what I did, and I've always tried to do in my lane what he's been able to do in his lane, sure, and represent in in, in much the same way. So now it's it's a huge. Huge compliment and one I, I still have yet to live up to, but I'm still striving for that. It's all good. The them new Jays came out today. You getting them school? Nah, man. I'm look, I can't, I gotta there, there's a there's a few new Jays. Can you talk about the Jordan ones, the multicolored joints? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, the multicolored, yeah. Yeah, nah, I'm trying to get my have you seen the lemon wave dunks that came out? Oh nah, no, yeah. I haven't. No, nope, okay, nope. yeah. I'm trying to I'm I maybe trying to get my hand on some lemon wave dunks, but speaking of dunks, you'd appreciate this because you're a Michigan State guy, right? Oh, come on now. Cut it out, man. Is that a okay. trick question? All right. Now you know <laughs> they're coming out with the Michigan University of Michigan, and they finally created a dunk. A, a, a Michigan State University, MSU, a Spartan dunk to complement and contrast the rivalry with the University of Michigan. And I forgot what date is coming out, but I'm getting my hands on those. So let me know, dude. Text me. Okay. okay. Let me know as it's, far in advance as you possibly can. I'm gonna get rid of the house if I gotta do that, bro. I gotta go get those, dude. It's I've seen them both. I matter of fact, I have a pair coming my way. <laughs> Seriously. So and I'm like, yo, anybody from MSU? I, I when I get my hands on the first person I'm tweeting is Magic. Okay. Then I'm tweeting. Then I'm tweeting Jamel Hill. Then I'm tweeting you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm good with that. Right. Right. So I'm not. I, I'm trying not to start chasing things <laughs> as they come along. I'm trying to wish them in existence. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? So the ones that dropped today, the Jordan ones, yeah, I love them. I got my Jordan one game up to a point where I'm happy. I'm satisfied. So I'm not being greedy. I'm not going to be like, I'm not thirst trapping <laughs> like every Jordan that comes out. But at this stage in my, you know, OG game and the shoe game, yeah. I'm being very selective about things that I may go after. And right now, it's that Dunk Lemon Wave. Okay. That's like, and and you know, we we I, you know the Dunk is going through a revival. You know, yep. and they're doing a documentary on the Dunk and all this that, and the other. And Dunks have always been like that. If you ever look at a shoe as being a piece of art mm-hmm. throughout its entire history, the Dunk has been that shoe that has really been equal to pieces of art because of what they've been able to do to it from a material standpoint, yep. from a design standpoint, all this that, and the other. So. Uh, as much as I like the uh, the multicolor uh, uh, Jordans is dropping today, my eye was on that limit wave. So I, yeah. you know, I hear what you're saying. 
And you know what? <laughs> at this point, man, I can't have what all you young cats got. I can't. I can't, I can't keep up with y'all, man. Y'all I don't are... got, listen, I haven't had a pair of J's, brother, in, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been. I kind of been on my little Kohan tip lately and trying right. to get trying right. to get that popping and, and, and trying to do the business casual thing for a while. But now you start talking about these dunks and all that. I might have to kind of check in for a quick second. I'm just not in the mood to be standing in line for nothing like that, for real, for real. Right. But I will. The MSU boys, I am going to check into it because people don't know me for nothing else. They know me for MSU. Very last question today. Is yes, it sir. a good idea um, of what the Brooklyn Nets have put in place by going to get uh, Steve Nash as the head coach of, of that position? Yes, I think it's a good idea. I just think optically it was a bad move. That's all. Okay. okay. I, that's all. I, th I think it's a great idea. I get it. But, you know, um, here's a bad we, we can end on this because I, okay. I, think, I, th I think what you're saying is important. Okay. I think the one thing that's being missed in this whole narrative is Jacques Vaughn. To, to, to a degree. And there's two things here that I think are important. One, not only the fact that he filled in for somebody that you all got rid of, mm -hmm. did a good job of doing that, and you replaced him with somebody with no that didn't have any experience mm -hmm. while he's black and the other person is white, mm -hmm. for you all to do that in this climate, especially in the NBA, mm -hmm. with all this conversation this climate, about yeah. equality, equality, with all mm -hmm. this conversation about diversity, all this quality, all this conversation about social reform. Yes, I mm -hmm. know it's connected to police brutality, but mm -hmm. there's still a sense of not just black lives mattering, but black life. Yeah, all the things that are connected to us while we're alive that are connected. For you to not take that in consideration when making this choice is bothersome. Because no love for Mark Jackson either, I guess. Well, it's not even that. It's the fact that what is this going to look like? As a Nets organization, we have a black coach that's an interim who has done this and held mm -hmm. it down and done a good job. For mm -hmm. us to replace him with a white guy that has no experience, mm -hmm. how is that going to look? Mm -hmm. With you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. From the op in the NBA when we're all about this. Yep. That yep. that's problematic. The fact that they didn't even consider how this would look to the general public. To, for, to consider how this would look for them as an organization. In this climate, to not even consider that just basically goes back to show how much work we have to do. That all this talk and all this stuff, there's still issues that we are still not even being looked at and we're still being overlooked. Yeah. And our existence our presence in certain situations isn't even being considered our stories our fight our, all this is still not being considered so sure. that's that's one that that's from an optic standpoint the fact that they didn't even take how the response to this could look or how it could mm -hmm. be in consideration is bothersome but sure. secondly and my wife and i talked about this let's take this out of the steve nash situation where he and sean marks have a great relationship yeah. Let's take this out of Steve Nash's situation, you know, where he is a Hall of Fame player and, you know, he could be the next Steve Kerr, which is a great thing, all this and the other. Let's take out of consideration the fact that he may have interviewed better for anybody at the job. Let's take this out of consideration that they never even offered, from our understanding, Jacques Vaughn a chance to get the job. Take wow. all that out of consideration. Let's just deal with this. In yours and my job and any job we had at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't care if we're a cab driver, bus driver, seamstress, chef, 
Yeah. Short short order cook. Yeah. You know, uh paralegal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what we were. Yeah. If you were doing a job and took over for somebody's doing, if you took over for somebody who was doing a hair job, mm -hmm. whatever the job was, mm -hmm. if you took over for that, mm -hmm. and they replaced you with somebody, one, they didn't offer you the job that you had been doing, and no two, experience. they replaced you with somebody with no experience, mm -hmm. how would you feel? How would you feel? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then behind that, they had the nerve to ask you to stay. Yeah, to stay. So yeah, take behind this out that of person. the NBA Slap coaching in the situation and just put it in just a regular. If I was bagging groceries at Dominic's mm -hmm. and I was not the head bag grocery guy mm -hmm. and a head grab bag grocery guy decided not to show up to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Scoop, we need you to lead on bagging groceries throughout the whole store. And I do that for months. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, now we got to replace the head bag grocery guy. Scoop, you done a hell of a job doing this. Now we're going to bring somebody in over you who has never done this before. But we don't want you to be mad. We don't want you to leave. Mm -hmm. We want you just to go back to what you were doing before and yep, work before under that. this guy. Yep, right, yep, and yep. work <laughs> under this guy. Who's yep. going to be asking you how to do this? All I'm saying is that how, in general, remove all the basketball stuff, all the black-white stuff, all the Steve Nash, Jacques Vaughn, all the – move, remove – just on basic employee yep. tactics. Yep, yep, yep. How is that? It's jacked up. And I'm even more surprised, even in some cases, not totally surprised, but just the blackballing of Mark Jackson is kind of beyond me at this point. I'm not even sure that he'll ever get another look, but that's a whole nother no, he'll conversation. He'll get another look, but take, it, but his thing, take consideration. Mark Jackson will get another look, but in this particular situation, he doesn't have the relationship with yep. Sean Marks, who was doing the hiring, that Steve, that Steve does. Man, I get that. That's, I mean, I'm not going to say Steve, Stephen A said it's white privilege. And, and I think there's some of that there. But I think if Steve Nash, let's replace Steve Nash with Dwayne Wade. Okay? Seriously. An ex-player, no coach experience, and Dwayne Wade had the same relationship with Sean Marks mm -hmm. that Steve Nash had. Mm -hmm. And Dwayne Wade got the job. Yep. Okay, it was now missed is there is no black-white narrative in this, right? Okay. But the second thing I said about just the employee situation, how you're treating your employee, you just passed over Jean <laughs> just looked over. With yep. some, right, it's, it still right. is messed up. Right, that's, that's, that's my point. You know, Man, so it's, it's not about Mark Jackson, you know, per se, you know, as far as the black thing. This has something to do, and it has nothing to do with, with not – it's not overtly white privilege because there's nepotism there. There's friendship there. There's mm -hmm. a connection there. Right. And that connection fine. is going to override a lot of things yep. in this particular. Because if you got a chance to hire your boy, somebody you're familiar with, somebody you're cool with, you know, that probably even covers up color. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, I don't care if Steve Nash is polka dot. We got 20 year history. Yeah. I don't know Jacques Vaughn like that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I don't know Mark Jackson like that. This is my guy. He wants his job. You know, he could be underqualified. If I get a sign off on the owner on this, I'm going with it. Fine. But from an employee standpoint, it's mm -hmm. jacked up. So that's what I'm saying. In this particular situation, you can literally replace Steve Nash with the Dwayne Wade and you can remove the black white thing. Still, internally, from an employee standpoint, is Jacques Vaughn asking him to do that? And still asking him to stay there mm -hmm. and expecting him to keep that, 
Do none of us would take that. That's none right. of it. That's none right. of us. None of us would take that. Everybody, everybody should have a problem with that. My boy done blessed us with a whole hour. Thank you so much, my brother, sports and cultural journalist, author, senior writer for ESPN and contributor for ESPN's The Undefeated. Um, the game is not a game. Let the people know where they can find that. You can find it on uh, haymarketbooks.org, or you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on all book stuff, you know, online. And then when bookstores open, you can find it there. Man, appreciate you. Find them on social media platforms, specifically on Twitter, at IBScoopJackson, at Jackson, at IBScoopJackson. Scoop, appreciate you again. Let me know. I'll let you know when I'm coming to the shy. You let me know when we're coming to the A. We're going to go get some wings, all flats, extra crispy, ranch, dip. Boom, boom, and we'll do it like that. And I got a spot to take you to in the A after we leave Magic City. All right, I and got don't, you. And, and don't forget to let me know about that story a I little got bit you. later on that you got. I, I, I don't want you thinking I forgot that one. No, 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 no. Trust me, I know you ain't forgot. It's all good. <laughs> Appreciate you, my brother. Hi, uh, good talk to you, baby. You as well. Um, my dude, Scoop, man, did a phenomenal job, man, just blessing us and joining us and giving us the opportunity, gracing us with – uh, his presence. And you can see why I was so highly anticipating uh, having him on the show for such a long time. I think it's been about two or three years since we had the opportunity to kind of link up and get together and pick brains and kind of shoot the breeze a little bit. So I think that it was a success. If you enjoy that, you'll enjoy the rest of our guests and just the shows going forward. I call it the best, most entertaining, most educational, most informational basketball content uh, on the planet in the form of a podcast, that being Tate's Take, where you find it right here where basketball lives. It's easy. So instead of me sending you all these different messages, so on and so forth, you're going to catch on social media and this and this and that. It's very easy. Wherever you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Red Circle, Stitcher, the whole nine, just go to Tate's Take, hover over that search box, just find that little magnifying glass and just type in Tate's Take, T-A-T-E apostrophe S. T-A-K-E and or um, on social media, on Twitter, as well as on IG uh, at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. You can also subscribe on YouTube so that this thing can give you a notification, boom, boom, to your phone as soon as uh, we go live each and every time that we do. So I'm looking forward to some stuff coming up in the future. Got some more projects I'm working on and so forth. Uh, and then... Um, uh, make sure that you just continue to tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell your grandmama per usual. Until the next time, we up out of here. Um, and that's it for us. <laughs>